Chapter 11. Democratizing AI to help shape a beneficial human-centric future. Part 2. Building human-compatible, ethical, trustworthy, and beneficial AI. We live in times ruled by scientific discovery and economic development, although it may not seem so from a village in Ethiopia. With all the information, discovery and development in the last years, combined with how little we actually know about what will be discovered and exactly what our future will look like, we urgently need a way to answer the ethical questions that keep our discoveries and developments from having a negative impact on planet Earth, humanity and the individual. Growing concern and debates around the world are doing a good job at spreading fear and making some of us more accountable and intentional about today's effects on the future of life. But most of us still do not know exactly how to get there or how to truly hold those with power to the correct standards, laws and policies. We need ways to ensure that the human experience, human rights and the protection of our planet come first. Our affinity towards growth has welcomed innovation and development before thinking about the implications of this innovation and development. By no means should we stop innovation and development, but watch it, steer it, and understand it. We should always consider its potential consequences with the same vigor that we embrace the ways it benefits us or solves problems. In this, we not only need to monitor the use and impact of our new developments, but to find meaningful ways to steer them towards greater economic, social and knowledge inclusion and general individual well-being. Smart technologies such as AI have the power to innovate, solve, enhance and develop at an electrifying pace. This speed of our changing world, Yuval Harari warns, makes it difficult for us to make sense of our present circumstances and to predict what the future holds for politics, economics, medicine, production, agriculture, the environment and humanity. By not considering the impact of what we are doing today, our future is at stake. More so, if we are not directing this future towards one that puts humanity first, we could be leading future generations into a world we would never choose for ourselves. The future might be unknown, but that does not mean it is out of our control. This forms the basis for policies, guidelines and global discussions on how to use AI and smart technology in general, ethically, responsibly and in ways that protect, develop and nurture life. Trustworthy, ethically responsible, transparent and unbiased AI are critical for the transformational purposes of AI and for businesses and society to thrive in the smart technology era. As discussed in earlier chapters, AI applications can on a high level be categorized into customer-facing applications and industrial applications. The different intended uses of these systems inspire different ethical considerations. For industrial applications, AI in collaboration with other smart technology can be used to predict equipment and asset maintenance, enhance industrial processes, assess issues, aid in mining, manufacturing and farming and any instance when the outcome is for optimal running, intelligence and issue detection of systems and machines. Industrial and consumer-facing applications can effectively be categorized into whether they are intended to maximize the safety and efficiency of industrial processes or whether the human being is the intended audience. Because of their differences, when we are thinking about ethics in AI, we need to think about whether they are, by nature, industrial or customer-facing. 
for customer-facing applications, fairness, privacy, data governance, and explicability are incredibly important. Industrial applications need to be less concerned with privacy, but extremely strict when it comes to safety, trustworthiness, and robustness of systems and outcomes. In the rest of this chapter, I will focus more on the systems that are intended for human benefit, consumption, use, knowledge, and adoption. Research, world summits, conferences, and even policies have taken the stage in AI over the last few years. Many more are popping up all the time and dialogue is flowing in AI, data, and economic communities. Singapore's FEET principles, which stands for fairness, ethics, accountability, and transparency in the financial sector, have given us a great foundational framework for the responsible use of AI. Many countries are following suit and are incorporating similar thinking into the way they are thinking about the potential consequences of AI. The European Union published their ethics guidelines for trustworthy AI in 2019, helping us grapple with what the operationalization of AI should look like in a way that protects the trustworthiness, transparency and impact of AI systems. For the EU, trustworthy AI means three main things. One, it should be lawful, complying with all applicable laws and regulations. Two, it should be ethical, ensuring adherence to ethical principles and values. And three, it should be robust, both from a technical and social perspective, since even with good intentions, AI systems can cause unintentional harm. Based on fundamental rights and ethical principles, the guidelines list seven key requirements that AI systems should meet. Human agency and oversight, technical robustness and safety, privacy and data governance, transparency, diversity, non-discrimination and fairness, societal and environmental well-being, and accountability. Since the availability and impacts of technology are borderless, whose laws and regulations are we talking about? Which ethical principles are we talking about? Whose social perspective are we talking about? Only those of the EU? Let us forget about the rest of the world for a second. Even when we look at ethical AI within the confines of the EU, each country has their own laws, guidelines, cultures, values, and foundational ethical principles. The EU's constitution may celebrate and insist upon the respective rights, laws, and values of each nation, but could it still protect these when machine learning, drones, and IoT are in full play? How could processes and legislation ensure that a development in Germany does not negatively impact the value or culture in Greece, for example? It gets even more complicated when we look outside the EU and expand our horizon to the rest of the world. The digital economy is one where trade, services, information and work have no boundaries. Data and AI applications in one country might infringe human rights in another country. Global outcry to China's social credit system that aims to promote the traditional value of credit worthiness by incentivizing trustworthiness and punishing untrustworthiness might seem acceptable based on collectivist values of harmony and transparency. It might even appeal and has to many others building behavioral change platforms and applications from a standpoint of wanting to make the world a better place. But what does it mean for privacy or the right not to be punished for potential behavior? What does it mean to be innocent until proven guilty? And what does it mean to those currently outside of these systems? 
These applications only need to be developed once. Once they exist, they exist everywhere. Simple tweaks, knowledge sharing and integrations makes it so what is developed in one country or by one business has the potential to affect the entire world. So how do we decide what is acceptable to develop? For what purposes and for what uses? If the EU makes ethical decisions, do they really matter if the rest of the world is making these decisions in a different way? Globalization and digitalization mean that the effects of creations, developments and laws in one country do not only affect that country, not anymore. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, seem to understand this and are trying to get as many countries as possible on board in their search to practically affect values-based AI principles, which is very much in line with the proposed MTP for Humanity and its associated MTP goals. 1. AI should benefit people and the planet by driving inclusive growth, sustainable development and well-being. 2. AI systems should be designed in a way that respects the rule of law, human rights, democratic values and diversity, and they should include appropriate safeguards, for example, enabling human intervention where necessary to ensure a fair and just society. 3. There should be transparency and responsible disclosure around AI systems to ensure that people understand AI-based outcomes and can challenge them. 4. AI systems must function in a robust, secure and safe way throughout their life cycles and potential risks should be continually assessed and managed. 5. Organizations and individuals developing, deploying or operating AI systems should be held accountable for their proper functioning in line with the above principles. But again, we run into the issues when looking into the practicality of applying these rather idealistic theories. Whose rule of law? Whose human rights? Whose interpretation of democracy? And what about those who do not govern democratically? Is it safe to leave anyone out of the principles, guidelines or laws that really affect the entire world? If the very nature is unclear, impractical or does not allow for and account for practical adoption throughout the world, then we are dooming ourselves to theory with no actionable outcomes. Let us turn our attention to the Foundation for Responsible Robotics, FRR, and Deloitte, who are developing a quality mark for robotics and AI that aims to ensure the responsible use of robots and AI. In the development of products and systems, if people have not paid attention to privacy, transparency, fairness, and accountability, their product will not pass. The FRR wants the quality mark to inspire worldwide regulation and to help shape the way people are thinking of the impact of their products and systems. But have we defined and agreed upon what transparency, privacy, fairness and accountability mean to the world? Do we have a shared consensus? We do have a clear consensus that a large portion of the world do not actually value privacy in governance at all. We are talking about China. So how do the FRR plan to ensure that their mark has any meaning? As we wait for regulated international standards for AI from ISO, International Organization for Standardization, which echo the sentiments that responsible and ethical AI is paramount for a free, fair and developed world, can we hope that these will be able to be actioned and governed by all countries and all organizations? Or are we again just playing with idealistic theory? 
While theories are progress and helpful in our discussions toward the creation of acceptable and actionable laws in big data, machine learning and AI, they are just theories. Therefore, it is important for all organizations and governments to find ways to guide, regulate and control the impact, trustworthiness and use of AI. For now, we know one indisputable fact. We are responsible and accountable for our future, and it will be up to all of us to decide what that future looks like. This begins with understanding the different applications of AI and smart technology. Data privacy is considered so important that its contravention is punishable in the EU since GDPR took effect in 2018. Data policies now exist in several countries that follows the EU's lead with respective GDPR and its reaction to big data and its potential consequences. Formal regulations over data privacy have not yet expanded to data trust, low quality and fake data that most often lead to untrustworthy systems. And as we have seen above, GDPR may protect how the EU behaves, but it has little impact on how the rest of the world behaves. The CSIS, Center for Strategic International Studies, developed a set of data governance policies for the G20 states, which are set to inform the development of data governance frameworks globally. The CSIS sum up the need for their data governance policies and why policies such as GDPR, created in vacuum, might fail. First is the need for consistency, interoperability and coordination of the myriad international, regional, national and local laws and regulations that impact data. The data ecosystem is fundamentally global and cross-functional and gaps and inconsistencies between the jurisdictions create uncertainty and limit the tools available to address harmful uses of data. Second. Existing rules and frameworks and the current debate around data governance often focus almost exclusively on personal data and privacy with little thought to broader impacts of data, for example competition, mobility and trade. Third, most existing data governance frameworks and much of the global debate around data governance focus on controlling access to data instead of how it is used. Fourth, these debates are often framed around the rights and freedoms of data subjects at the expense of other stakeholders and society broadly. We see how vital it is to consider not only our countries, but the entire world when attempting to create laws around data. This aside for now, when looking at data governance, we are often referring to the data that has been collected in bits from people's online footprints, public information, or information we have filled in on forms from organizations and businesses that serve us. It is easy for this to be incorrect or contradictory, especially given that devices are accessed and used by multiple people, false information is given, or information is not updated. It is vital that we can trust our data and the systems they feed if we are to trust or even take seriously their outcomes and predictions. Even if the data has structure and can be verified, it can lead to incorrect or unethical decisions in the form of data biases. Data biases are the product of existing biases, either from the people developing the algorithms or the data's reflecting samples based on existing socioeconomic and other inequalities or injustices. Privacy is among the largest topics of discussion when it comes to data and AI, and we have dedicated some time to the importance and complexity of privacy elsewhere in this book. 
when there is still a lot to be done for data policy, regulation and governance, and when the world has not truly tried to build a globally acceptable and actionable framework for data governance, how do we expect to have any control over the AI systems that this data is feeding? The answer is we cannot. But we will be able to if we make it a priority to focus on globally accepted and actionable outcomes. Good or just not bad? Depending on who you ask, you will get a different answer to the questions with respect to the rate of development and discovery. Some schools say we are going a lot slower than we think we are. Other schools say we are going too fast for most to catch up. The truth is that both might be true. We may not be as far advanced as we thought we would be by 2020, but the advances that we have made and are continuing to make have most certainly changed the way we live and the way we are expected to live. This has happened at a rate too fast for many to be able to catch up, particularly since some people are still living without electricity and trading chickens for oranges, whilst others live in IoT-powered homes and have personal assistance in their pockets. Whichever stance we take, there is no denying that the modern goal is growth, and since this growth affects us differently and we all have different responses, combined with the fact that there is little way to test the effects of our developments until years after they are adopted, if we are not directly trying to protect all life from harm, we are at a constant risk of causing harm. Arguably few ideas, inventions or discoveries start out with the intention to harm. Many of us just want to solve problems, find answers, improve how we do things, and keep growing. We want to serve more people, serve people better, and create successful businesses while doing it. There's nothing wrong with this in theory. However, smart technology offers a different kind of world. A world based on data. A world where so many unimaginable things are possible that we cannot begin to fathom all their social or ethical implications. Therefore, when developing or using any form of AI, we need to consider every variation of potential consequence, effect or human experience that might go with it, directly and indirectly. Let us give a simple example of this. Facebook were not attempting to invade our privacy or infringe some human rights. They were merely looking for a way to bring us the convenience and relevance that we crave. They were looking for a way to give us exactly the content or products that, based on our consumption, we want. They also wanted to help us filter out the rubbish that we wish would disappear from our feeds. They had a way to know their audiences, individually, and through that, target and personalize our content to us, directly. They could also offer marketers the chance to advertise to those who would respond in a favorable way. Whether that be to buy something, believe something, or vote for someone. This is where it gets seriously questionable, but many argue that it got questionable before that point. Many feel spied on and known without any control over who else has access to our private habits, granted in efforts no sinister than marketing. Facebook, Google, WeChat, and the likes all have highly intelligent algorithms that get to know us and in turn tell others what they have to do for us to notice them if we are worthy of their high-end products, candidates for their jobs, or susceptible to their views. Is this unethical? Or do we not care because it is just used for marketing? What about the biases it creates on us? What about cases when that very information, a sum-up of who we are, falls into the hands of home loaners, insurers, governments? 
What about cases when we are not even seeing jobs being advertised because there is a bias in the algorithm that only advertises it to white men who live in a certain area? It is difficult to measure ethics. History has seen many different shifts in what is seen as right or wrong. The most modern being if it feels good, it must be good, as long as it does not cause harm to anyone else. However widely accepted, there is no scientific exactitude to this. While science can offer us cures, food, inventions, and understanding of the universe, it cannot seem to come to grips with the consciousness and the subjective human experience. The latter is what we use, instead of science, to come up with ethical theories, laws, and guidelines for behavior. Because there is not, yet, a scientific measure for ethics, we can only go with what we currently have, and in many cases, what feels right intersubjectively. This might feel like it falls short in the face of the provable facts that science and mathematics give us, but this does not detract from its importance. Yuval Harari compares science and ethics to yin and yang, unable to have one without the other to balance it. The more science we have, the more emotion we need to balance it. The more development and growth we have, the more we need ethics to keep it in check. As smart technology becomes more advanced and its effects wider spread, we need to continuously check our ethics, our laws and our guidelines to make sure we are keeping it in check. In some instances, we do not know the effects that scientific discovery will have until we see the ethical downfall. Genetically modified genius babies. Facebook taking away our privacy. We have a list of these to choose from. A growing list of science and technology development have potentially disastrous and right-infringing effects on humans. Here, two things are important to note. The first is that what we study, build and produce is proportionate to our values. And the second is that our values differ. If we value power, the likelihood of using AI is rather high. If we value privacy, the likelihood of having measures to protect privacy are high. If we value equal resources and opportunities, we will likely create programs and solutions that enhance social and economic equality. If we value human rights, we will likely focus on the things that protect those rights. Here we are faced with our second problem. Since we value different things, we will find differences in what these human rights are and perhaps we have a philosophical debate about whether rights should exist in the first place. Furthermore, we are inclined to think that our values are correct. So, if we value justice as a form of punishment, we might feel we are working with unacceptable lines when we develop a program that attacks people or values that we feel have wronged us. This is not a new dilemma for the world, but never has it been so important, simply because what we develop in one isolated part of the world has never had the ability to be so far-reaching. The ability to produce, invent, study and make available online, combined with AI, robotics, blockchain, nanotechnology and biotechnology, means that when humans say what we fear AI technology might be able to do in the future, we are not wrong. I wish I could tell you we were wrong. But the truth is, just like any invention, AI can be a weapon. AI can be destructive. AI can be exclusionary, making the rich richer and the poor poorer. The important question to ask here is what are we going to do about it? Before we can come to an what, we must understand the differences in our values and our different experiences of the world. Have you ever traveled to another country and experienced a culture shock? 
You were shocked by how the natives greeted one another, the way they were with their kids, the way they spoke too loudly or softly, the blunt questions that every person you met asked you, the food they ate, the way they ate it, how they did not look you in the eye when greeted you, or how they would not stop looking you in the eye, how, when, and at what times they said please or thank you, the way they queued or did not queue at all. In some cultures, marriage is all about family and love is secondary. In these cultures, arranged marriages are not always seen as a sentence. They are just part of how you get what is ultimately valued, family. In some cultures, marriage is only about love and people would not dream of marrying someone they did not love. In some cultures, it is disrespectful to look people that are older than you in the eye and in others, it is disrespectful to not look anyone in the eye. Some cultures value community, support or honor. Some cultures value individuality, privacy and material wealth. Some cultures are entwined in their languages and have words for things the rest of us cannot begin to comprehend because there is no word for it in our own language. Whether easily visible or not, entire communities and nations have developed around different value systems. None are better or worse. None are more important. Some have more economic power and a louder voice and so their values are heard, demanded and spread. Others have little economic stability and a soft voice, so we tend to ignore that, no matter how different, they too have needs and ways and values. The former groups are among our global leaders, powerful countries and thus included in our global society. The latter tend to stick to their own regions at risk of being invaded by more developed, louder ideas, products and values. Sometimes we even have two conflicting loud voices in the former group fighting over who is writer and who will dominate the global market, narratives and developments. This has never been fair or just. No one has ever been writer, just more powerful and louder. The only difference between now and the past is that globalization, hyperconnectedness and the fact that the most powerful companies and countries in the world are controlling the global economy and developing products that will reach and affect or create bigger rifts and inequalities with the rest of the world in seconds, months or just a few years. We saw it with colonialism, we see it with the imbalance of power and money in capitalism and now we're seeing it cross borders and create an even greater imbalance of power in the world. One person with a knack for machine learning and a bit of money in his or her pocket can literally spread his or her product or idea around the world in days. This is a lot of power for one person to have and should not be taken lightly. It is power whose effects, up until now, have not been carefully considered by many who have it. If we do not know to ask, when we have a great idea, how this idea might affect our neighbors, how are we to know to ask how it might affect countries and cultures about which we know nothing? How are we to know how our own experience of the world and our own perception, values and biases might impact others if we are to see our idea developed? How are we to know, to ask, how our idea might affect our natural resources, our borderless digital world, our sick planet, and the abilities for machines to learn more in a day than a human might learn in five years, makes these questions absolutely vital to the foundation of humanity. Maybe it starts with accepting these things in ourselves, and once we have accepted that we are unique, affected, and biased, 
based on where and how we live, we may be able to accept that an experience completely from ours exists, and that should be respected too. Then we can accept something else, and hopefully reach this conclusion on our own. We are different. We just need to find a way to be different together. Different cultures, religions, regions, eras, and political affiliations value different things and experience the world in a variety of ways. When we are looking to human values and the individual experience in creating laws, policies, and procedures, as has been done many times in the past, we feel no need to look further than our own country, religion, general political affiliations, etc. Why would we? We assume that the reality that has been constructed by our surroundings is the reality. We then base the ways we formulate our values, beliefs and fears on this reality. This reality has become a part of our identity, an identity that we protect with rationalizations and justifications. An identity that feels protected by communities, laws, cultures, religions and nations. We are left with more and more people being under the umbrella of our value system. More people who wish to protect the values and identities that make up their reality. It is no surprise that conflict arises when these realities meet. But that is still alright. We have built political borders, small communities, religions, schools, treaties and alliances to instill a sense of peace. Generally, we have also by now learned to value human life, or at least economic growth, a little more than to start wars every time we disagree. The only problem is, it is becoming increasingly difficult to keep these borders in place. Whether we want to be or not, we are exposed to other views, ways of life and products. Globalization and technological advancement mean that what is developed or done in one area does not stay there. It spreads across the world. This puts a great deal of responsibility on the whole world to look past their own vantage points and values when deciding what is right and wrong and determining what is worth valuing. It seems then that we have an entire world of values, experiences, religious, cultural and political affiliations to consider when creating the laws, policies and procedures that govern the digital world. Smart technology makes this even more complicated because of the potential issues that we must consider. Is our data true, unbiased and used only for approved purposes? Is smart technology being used to improve lives? Are we hindering human rights? If so, are the rights in our country the same as those in another? Are we accountable for our systems? Do they uphold privacy? Are we using it for good? Are we ensuring that our developments and systems do not cause further socio-economic or ecological harm? Are we valuing individuals over the collective or the other way around? If we choose to decide this democratically, who wins? The Western view of individuality or the Eastern view of collectivism? Does privacy trump the common good? Does the individual right trump those of the collective? The Eastern or collectivist view seems to be that AI is a way to help and care for humans, improve our experiences and make our lives easier. The Western or individualist view is more reactionary, reacting to potential threats in how AI might harm our personal freedoms and individual rights. Let us take an example of a care bot. The Eastern view may see value in the help, companionship 
and service it can bring to those in need, while the Western way of thinking is more focused on the personal data it is collecting. Where is it going? Who is seeing it? How is it being used? One is focused on the individual's right to privacy and fairness, and the other is focused on harmony, collective good, and cooperation. This is not to say that either of these views is inherently incorrect. Just that it is the way we see AI, and not what it actually is, that is being questioned. Partly because AI is just a tool in the hands of humans, and partly because we are the creators, we control what it is. So the way we see it really is quite important. Perhaps our contrasting views on AI and robotics arise from intrinsically different worldviews. Western or more individualist AI principles and guidelines value fairness, privacy, transparency, accountability, and individual rights, whereas Eastern principles value openness, inclusivity, and humanity, a more collective, utilitarian approach to ethics. These views come across in the West EU Ethics Guidelines and OECD AI Principles versus the Eastern Beijing AI Principles. Privacy, transparency and accountability play a much larger role in the documents originating from the EU and the USA, whereas harmony and optimizing collective good plays a much larger role in China's principles. While what we see as collective good may not be what China sees as collective good, or perhaps a better way to put it is that it is very easy to take certain actions and justify them as collective good even where in some cases it really was not collective good, but our own good we were seeking. This shows us that it is not just different values we are seeking to align, but fighting against power, autocracy and civil servants who have more interest in fattening their pockets and getting everyone to bow to their views than they do in protecting the future of the world. People feel bound by democracy only when they share a common view with most voters. So when our inherent views and values are split, which side wins? We must find a collective voice, values that we share, things we want to protect as a world, not just as a country, state or alliance. This works when people want the same thing and are willing to make the values they have held secondary in order to achieve a higher value, protecting the future of all individuals. However, this democratizing will not work when certain nations still hold this value as secondary or as a disruption to their personal gain. Many organizations around the world are coming together or taking their own initiatives to figure out how to tackle these issues. But what happens when the values of one group are given favor over the values of another, as is inevitable due to the sizes, power and dominance of certain nations? This may have been less of an issue when one country's laws only affected their own citizens, who for the most part shared their values. However, due to the global nature of digitalization, one group's laws and policies will undoubtedly affect those of another group. Economic, social, cultural and structural boundaries are blurred and even broken. Products developed in one country can instantly be bought in another country. Views held in one country can easily spread to another. Working for a company whose walls you never set foot into is becoming normalized. What began as a simple trade of goods has turned into a complicated web of informing, working, purchasing, socializing and consuming in a global domain. This makes it more important than ever 
to consider the implications of our developments and inventions on the world at large. We need to find a way to agree what the basic underlying drivers are and what values and rights deserve our utmost protection. Without this, we cannot hope to come up with international laws that will actually be accepted to be adhered to by all countries. It is next to useless to have policies such as the OECD that are not accepted and followed by all governing bodies in all countries, explained further below, when AI has the same potential for effect throughout the world. We also need to start looking internationally to use already developed systems of intelligence to solve unique issues in different countries. The issues faced in South Korea, for example, differ from those experienced in Vietnam, which differ from those experienced in Botswana. AI and smart technology together, with our wealth of knowledge and ease of sharing that knowledge, can solve socio-economic issues, transport issues, healthcare issues, and many others across countries. We need to develop global laws governing digital technologies, code, and algorithms. It is also clear that currently we have not found a way to unite all the different countries, cultures and economic and political views on this point. The time has passed to merely talk about these things or create alliances, treaties and organizations that agree on how to move forward when the rest of the world has not agreed to their terms or pledged their participation. Perhaps it is fitting for us to take a page from the EU's constitution in uniting a pluralism while celebrating diversity, in protecting minorities and aiming for social inclusion, in balanced economic growth and price stability. Whatever can be said of the EU, particularly considering Brexit, the Union did not fight over liberalism or socialism or over capitalism and communism. They saw value in each culture, each value system and each citizen and sought to improve their well-being through unified policies and laws. These are countries that, however close in proximity, have a history of conflict. If they could find a way to work together for the betterment of their own and others' lives, the world must be able to find a way to do the same. The question always comes back to values. Do we know what we value? As individuals, as communities, as religions and countries, do we know what valuing one thing inadvertently causes the devalue of another thing? Finally, do we know what values we would like to have that will help construct the future we want, the lives we want for ourselves and our children? Without a clear vision of the future we desire and the values that will help us create this future, of the things we may need to give up in order to get it, we have little way of knowing how our values and identities might be destructive. And without carefully debating this with everyone who might be affected, every country in the world, we are at great risk of walking into the future that we fear. Simply by not considering the impact of what we are doing today is detrimental to our future. As a start, it is beneficial to look at the conversations, policies and guidelines that are guiding international thought. From these, we can attempt to find some middle ground that may guide the future laws surrounding smart technology and AI in particular. The WEF, the FRR, the EU, UN, OECD, China, Singapore, Kenya and several other countries and alliances and organizations are already trying to find ways to tackle the problem of creating a shared future that is safe, trustworthy, socially inclusive, free and fair. AI should be seen to support that future. 
We need standards for safe, reliable and trustworthy AI that promote a better future for all. In this, they seek to develop global rules for AI that will govern its international development and use. The future of the entire world is, as we have discussed, impacted by the standards, policies and regulations we are creating today. Let us look at what the world looks like. In the meantime, Singapore's FEED principles and 42 plus governments around the world that have adopted the OECD principles on AI, also being adhered to by several non-OECD members, have inspired the G2 to adopt principles for trade in the digital economy that put humanity first in the development of AI. The EU's guidelines also act as an excellent start to develop trustworthy AI, but we are still left with the resounding question of whether we value privacy or transparency more, and really whether one has to counteract the other. The EU's seven key requirements for trustworthy AI create the parameters for using AI for good, ensuring data is correct and a true reflection of the broadest parts of society, that data can always be traced back and reproduced, that there is machine and human accountability, and that no human rights are infringed or parts of nature threatened through the process of AI. What is this saying about privacy, a human right in many democratic countries? AI relies on data for its value. The more data it has, the more it must sift through, compare and learn from, the more accurate it can be and the more value it has. Much of this data comes from us, people. The people who are browsing websites, participating on social media channels, filling out forms, using digital tools and products, shopping and banking, whether online or traditionally. Our data is everywhere and we have no real idea of how it is being used and what the implications might be. Even with South Africa's POPI and the UK's GDPR, our data is already out there, has already been used, passed hands and even hacked. Often its uses are harmless and anonymous. We are mere numbers or statistics. But even if this is the case, it is still an invasion of our privacy. This poses the question of whether we should be worried about our privacy as we know it, and really whether we have any control over it, if we also want to reap the benefits of AI. More poignant is to ask ourselves whether to fight what will likely be a losing battle of giving up our privacy and what should be fighting for instead. Is it transparency? Is it control over how data is being used and by whom? Is it insistence that it will always be used in an ethical, fair, traceable and just way? Perhaps it is not our privacy we should be fighting for at all, but rather the way our information is used. China's social credit system, where citizens are rated based on their behavior, which then dictates their access and the prices they will pay for things such as loans, mortgages and rental cars, seems to be the kind of unfair betrayal of our privacy that we would like to fight against. Applications of Jeremy Bentham's Panopticon propose a kind of police state where citizens do not ever really know whether they are being watched and thus always modify their behavior for the better. This was, of course, before the age of technology, but is not dissimilar to where we find ourselves today. We just have no proof of what our data is being used for in this bigger picture. Well, China is starting to have an idea, but the rest of us have only speculation. In certain applications, where behavioral change and improvement is the goal, the world might benefit from more transparency, more tact, and efforts to improve our own behavior. But how quickly does this change to be used against us?
Of course, we must also ask ourselves if the Western and democratic insistence on privacy is in fact worth all the fuss. Eastern and African societies value collectivist, helpful and collaborative environments more than they may privacy. This merely highlights that perhaps some of the things we fight for so vehemently do not have a place in right or wrong, just in how our reality has been constructed based on where we live. A balance has not yet been struck, and the proper enforceable laws do not yet exist. Before we get to this point, however, the borderless and quick nature of technology means that we would best decide soon, and we would best decide together. How do we tackle the issue of privacy versus personalization? Different societies, cultures, religions and traditions and community values are deeply entrenched in the individuals who make them up. Sometimes these ways of living and seeing the world are unknown to us. We are not aware of how affected we are by our culture's emphasis on independence or on women being caregivers or the value of honor. These are just three simple values ingrained in certain traditions and cultures that shape the way that those that are part of these communities perceive and approach the world. An important distinction to note when we are considering AI systems, what we value, what we will allow, and what we see as unacceptable, we need to consider two main differences at odds. Individualism versus collectivism. Let us consider social, political, and economic inclusion. At a fork in the road, we have more tools, more methods, more strategies than we even had before. We have more ways to save the world and more ways to destroy it. It is not technology itself that has this potential. Humans do. We may not think that a minor action or decision made today will affect tomorrow, but we no longer live in a world separated by borders. We no longer live in a world where we must wait for information to trickle through networks. We no longer live in a world where the developments in one country remain strictly there. We live in a world of instant feedback, borderless collaboration, remote service and constant information. We live in a world that relies on technology for all of this. Socioeconomic inequalities further impact if and how people benefit from and partake in the smart technology era. Where knowledge, skills and opportunities thrive through smart technology, those without access are in danger of being more sidelined from meaningful participation in society and accessing the services that merely having a smartphone might allow. Furthermore, AI's ability to process data instantly and on an incredibly large scale, while AI-powered robots perform tasks that were traditionally strictly human, means that there are fewer traditional jobs for humans. While new kinds of roles have and will continue to appear, it is our responsibility to prioritize humans over machines and find ways to upskill employees for new and different kinds of roles. The responsibility to create a future for humanity and the planet we inhabit is great. If we are not directing our thinking towards using AI to bring out positive social changes, include more people in the smart technology era, and protect life and human rights, then the future is something to fear. However, if we are, and we are, then we can steer our future into something worth embracing. One of the questions that remains is whether we need to turn the existing thinking, policies and guidelines into laws. There is much needed concern over the impact of technology on well-being. Facing our uncertain future, we only know that technology is a large part of it, larger than ever. 
We also know that, as the creators and developers of technology, humans direct its purpose and function. Humans are the intelligence behind artificial intelligence. We build the systems and hardware. We develop the algorithms to answer our needs and desires with the tools we have available. And we certainly have plenty of tools. Now, we must ensure that these tools are used to create and sustain successful businesses, of course, and to simultaneously improve and enhance the lives of those who inhabit the world. It is the age of social enterprise. It is the age where lines between public and private become increasingly blurred. It is the age where governments and organizations work closer together than ever before to improve the world. Technology's impact on well-being has even been calculated by McKinsey and Company, looking into the current ways of 4IR technologies and their potential to improve our general states of well-being. When looking at well-being from a job security, materials living standards, education, health, equal opportunities, and environmental sustainability perspective, AI and data are a clear front-runner in terms of impact, followed up by connectivity and platforms and then robotics. We do not just land here. In the place where the world is made better through all of our creations, developments and innovations, we navigate here. Aside from what governments and world leaders themselves can do for this, it is the Technological Social Responsibility, TSR, which is Corporate Social Responsibility's cousin, CSR that could be what drives us towards a future of inclusion, well-being, and opportunity for all, not just the elite or lucky few. All of this without being bad for business.